Hello and welcome back to another special edition of the Gridcoin Fireside here on the second Thursday of the month. The Thursday when I'm usually not here, but hey, lockdown, what are you going to do? Uh, so since I'm usually not here, no one else, none of the other hosts are here. Them off doing their own things, definitely not working out or doing anything physical. I know that for sure. Uh, but I am your host, Jaringo. Today we are going to be talking about a comment from someone in the community and how Gridcoin is actually looking. Uh, I'm going to say the blockchain space in general is looking to find ways to solve this problem that they point out. Uh, but first, uh, Gridcoin Fireside is a get-together of Gridcoin participants every Thursday at uh, 8 p.m. EST on the Gridcoin Discord server. Uh, we talk about all things Gridcoin and decentralized science. So jump on in if you want to participate. You can jump in through the voice chat or the text chat, and we'll, uh, we'll do what we can to have a good time. <laughs> so tonight, it's just me talking, so I'm just going to keep going. Uh, News-wise, let's see. Do you think of anything? Uh, relevant news, there are five um, Boink projects, whitelisted Boink projects, working on the COVID-19 virus. They are, if I can get this right, Rosetta at Home, which has been doing it for a while now, uh, run out of, oh, University of Washington and the Institute of Protein Design. Uh, they are also Tian Grid, who is running, uh, hmm, I'm not going to try to remember what work they're doing, uh, but they are doing COVID work. Uh, they're do there's GPU Grid, which is doing ACE. Uh, Tian Grid and GPU Grid are doing ACE2 work, which is a, a, the receptor, the genetic, that's a gene in your lungs that uh, the virus attaches to, I'm pretty sure, or is involved in that process. So if we learn more about the ACE receptor, then we can uh, learn more about viruses and make it stop you know uh so that's three uh tech the texas academy of computational crunching that's definitely not it but it's tech t-a-c-c uh, <laughs> they are doing covid work i think they're working on spike um gumming up the spike protein on the on the virus itself which is the same stuff that rosetta is doing and then world community grid uh is just firing up their open pandemics project which uh as everyone knows world community grid is an umbrella project so they work on many different projects under the world community grid name which is itself under the ibm uh corporate responsibility name so uh, the Open Pandemics project is going to be similar to Open Zika, as far as we can tell so far. Uh, Open Zika being the World Community Grid project that uh, found 20, I think it's 23 drug candidates for a Zika vaccine, which is pretty cool. That's very recent news. Uh, so Open Pandemic is going to be working on uh, getting infrastructure and computational projects set up that will be a rapid response sort of a rapid response computational team to future pandemics. Probably not this one uh, because, you know, this one's, yeah, we probably already have a vaccine. It's just got to get tested and all that stuff. We probably already have like several. They're just 12 to 18 months away because of, you know, it's vaccine. <laughs> got to make sure you got that right. Um, but yeah, they're firing that up. That's pretty cool. Uh, it, they, they might do COVID work once they get uh, going. Who knows? Who really knows? They're a new project. So there's the five. Rosetta at Home, TN Grid, GPU Grid, TAC, and uh, World Community Grid. And a quick correction of myself, uh, TAC is not a whitelisted project. TAC is actually a fairly recent project, uh, so it has not gone through the whitelisting pro process. 
there were some issues with this work unit distribution in the past. They might have sorted that out. If that's the case, then I would encourage someone in the community to start that discussion on whether or not they should be whitelisted. Uh, they seem to be a fairly legit project run out of a fairly legit institution. In other sort of Boink-related news, the Boink Network Discord and uh, Boink Radio Podcast is doing very well. Uh, we would recommend folks come and join those discussions every Friday at 4 p.m. EST. That's me and Delta host those. Uh, Delta also does the Project Brief, Brief uh, series over on the Boink Network label. Uh, yeah, follow them at at Boink Network on Twitter or go to boink.network to listen to that podcast. Um, what else we got? Uh, progress on the, the where we at, Fern. And the Fern release continues to move, excuse me, continues to move forward. Um, it's slow going, but there is beginning to be talk about getting things on testnet, at which point we will be putting a call out for folks to get your asses onto testnet so we can test this thing to the best of our capabilities. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. If you want to be ahead of the game, go ahead and ask someone in the uh, in the Gridcoin Discord or what have you, Reddit, uh, how to get on Testnet, how to help out. Uh, the more people on Testnet, the faster we can get it out once we get uh, Fern onto Testnet. We being the amazing devs, mostly Jim Owens and SciSci, uh, who are doing a lot of the, the legwork on this release, which is a massive release. It's basically an entire rewrite of Gridcoin. Um, it is taking a code base that is really not acceptable from my my ignorant viewpoint and making it something that is uh we can stand on and move forward with uh while also removing the team requirement so hey look at that <laughs> what else what else uh that's everything I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, I will apologize for uh, me on behalf of me, uh, Perijan, and uh, Crypto Swiss for missing this month's uh, State of the Network report. Uh, that was just a breakdown in communication on a very busy weekend. Uh, apparently, Perijan got the stats up and then just forgot to PM everyone that the stats were ready. And so <laughs> our uh, our checklist was thrown off because normally we wait for the stats and then we go through and write all the articles and whatnot. So that just never got done. Uh, and then we tried to get it done a little late but didn't have time, and then it was too late. I was just like, well, eh, whatever, we'll just do it next month. So apologies for that. They will be, that State of the Network report will be back next month. Uh, but, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the stats are like with all this uh, COVID-19 work going on with Rosetta and whatnot. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Maybe we'll do an interim stat-only release. I don't know. Probably not. It's It's been a busy month. Uh, let's see. I think that's it uh yeah all right so let's go on to what we're going to talk about today which has to do with uh intellectual property and uh patents essentially and how blockchain uh is positioned to sort of improve these structures particularly in the scientific system and especially in the computational science sector of the scientific system because when you think about it when we're crunching for rosetta and uh, all these projects that are doing great work to find a cure for um, for COVID, COVID-19, they're doing it because there's an incentive. There's a societal incentive from the legacy system that says, look, if you find this vaccine, you get to make money because you get to sell the vaccine. And there's a lot of nuance in there, like, okay, government funded, blah, blah. And every once in a while, you have a just a saint who finds a cure for something and makes it free, makes it open source. So insulin is a great example. They sold it for $1. Um, I think that was insulin. And then, you know, 
eventually, you know, that person died. The person who said, look, this is, I can't keep this to myself. I need to give this to the world. It's going to save so many lives. It wasn't really that costly <laughs> to develop in the first place. But the, the they die. The good person dies. The benevolent dictator dies, which is why we don't like systems of benevolent dictators because good people die everyone dies um they die and then someone not benevolent patents that shit and now they make a a buttload of money you can see this martin screlly is a great example of this someone who takes a drug that wasn't free wasn't cheap by any means but was arguably reasonably priced some people would say there is no such thing as a reasonable price for a life-saving drug but there are reasonable arguments to be made and uh they just take the price and they jack it up uh, you can see this with uh, the Martin Screlly drugs. You can see it with, uh, what is it, EpiPens. The, it, and ep, epinephrine has not changed. All they do is repatent the delivery system and mark up the price because the patent expires and blah, 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 blah. Uh, people do that, or companies and people do that with drugs too. All they do is change a single molecule in the drug. So essentially it's the same thing. They didn't do any work to change it. But by changing that molecule, they get to repatent it, and then no one else gets to make the drug and sell it for generic prices. Because the argument, the reasonable argument with uh, medical research is that, look, we had to pay scientists and dedicate 10 to 15 years of research into this. And the immediate counter is like, no, you no, you didn't. Foundational research is done at universities, not at your freaking lab. But the... the uh, so that they need to make money to make up for that. There needs to be a profit motive, an incentive structure to encourage companies to do research and development. Uh, so, okay, you develop a drug, you can sell it exclusively for five to 10 years and you make your profit that way. And then after that five to 10 years, you the, the anyone can make the drug and then the free market takes over and prices should go down. But apparently there are ways to game that system where you uh, just change molecule and repatent it and do all this stupid nonsense. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. The whole patent and IP structure of the uh, um, system of science. I'm going to catch up on the chat here. Uh, someone asked, does TAC actually have a Boink as distributed computing thing we can help with? TAC actually has a Boink project. Uh, they recently made a Boink project uh, I, I think it was last year. It was within 12 months, I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so you can go help with TAC on their Boink project. Can't, so uh, Darian is asking, can't we, the public, change the molecule and then make it for free? Uh, we, we would need to ask someone with more knowledge. But the fact of the matter is right now, we can't. I don't know why. Um, all right. So I don't know if I already said this, but I'm going to say it again if I did, just to kickstart where we're going in here. Uh, so... When we're all crunching for Rosetta at home, we're giving them, we're essentially paying them to do science for them, to do their research for them, right? And when I'm saying this, I think what Boink is is wonderful and beautiful and everything should keep going, you know? But the that is weird. That feels weird. So if they end up getting a profitable, marketable drug out of our computation work, we essentially ran our computers for a very long time, gave them money because... When we run the computer, we're paying for electricity uh, and giving them products. Uh, granted, most of the products are just like bunk because you know you run simulations, et cetera, et cetera. And someone says wear and tear and the and the uh, depreciation on the hardware. Yes, absolutely, on our hardware that we're running. So it would be pretty cool if we as crunchers could get some of that money uh, if they get to. Um, get a marketable drug out there and make money off of it. And well, blockchain has a solution for that. But 
let me read this first because it's a well-written couple paragraphs and it is a couple paragraphs so bear with me and i'm gonna get a drink of water first i think this was stemming from a conversation having to do with does like does anyone make money doing gridcoin or like what's going on <laughs> so this is from uh, uh joey buddy 96 here on the discord so good looks over here he says someone told me that solving COVID-19 is his own reward. I kind of agree, but I also realize that whatever person, company, group of companies, organization, or country provides a vaccine or treatment, that establishment is going to rake in hundreds of billions of dollars, maybe a trillion dollars. We're at the mercy of a disease right now. People are desperate and turning to quackery and anything that holds potential for safety. The world's economy is being held hostage by a force of nature that isn't even alive. Soon that nonsensual thing will be replaced by something with agency and motivation. We'll essentially owe our lives to the treatment. That's not something you can pay back, but is going to carry a price tag. So here we are down in the dirt, scrounging up whatever flops per watt we can scrape together. Meanwhile, someone out there is fussing about how much beluga sturgeon caviar they can eat before it gets hunted to extinction. And I hope I pronounced that right. I've never had caviar. Um, it just sounds disgusting. But anyway, carrying on. People are losing their jobs, their life savings, and are going uh, and are going to go into debt for the rest of their lives getting treated for ARDS, uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome, I believe. Meanwhile, whoever wrangles the ownership of royalties of the treatment can casually beckon a house call from their concierge doctors and chill out with their very own ventilator. There's a good... <laughs> Sorry. I just love concierge doctors. It's great. <laughs> as good of a reward helping other people out is it's still not something that translates into the kind of benefits you'd get from opportunism. There's going to be a solution to COVID-19. It's just going to take time. It's not going to be the pandemic to end all pandemics, probably not even the deadliest or costliest one, and I very much agree there. On the one side, we've got people banding together to barely subsist, suffering and dying. On the other, we've got people who know neither want nor fear, who live every day in blissful wistfulness. Is there a good reason, aside from getting warm fuzzies, that I shouldn't try to be the latter and let humanity be damned? So his question is essentially, why shouldn't I take opportunities and uh, capitalize on them at the expense of everyone else? Because fuck it. Like, everyone else does it. There's nothing I can do to change it. It's the way the world works. I would like to live without want or fear, because wouldn't we all? So I'm, I'm going to answer that quickly, and it's not an answer, but and then we're going to go to the main root of that problem. Um, so. A lot of people in this community and around this space talk about the greater good, right? We're working for the greater good. We're working, blah, that's basically it. We're working for the greater good. I think that's great, but I would phrase it a little differently. We're, I would say that we're working to make the greater good. So we live in a world where, <laughs> where things fall apart. You know, the falcon is always circling. There's nothing you can do. The center cannot hold. Everyone who has ever lived has died. Anything that's ever been built has fallen down. Uh, all you can do is try to build things that last longer, or you can try to make it so more and more people don't have to rely, don't have to, to subsist. They, they break out of subsistence living. And it, that is making the greater good. If what I do helps other people not have to worry about food or shelter or whatever, I've lived a good life. So I think that is the reason that a lot of people, especially Gridcoin, do what they do. And science is one of the most powerful tools to that end. Uh, with technology, technology is the tool, the root tool. You know, you, we developed a way to start a fire. Uh, it's essentially a technology. We developed uh, language. And that made people live better. 
and we developed indoor plumbing that made people live better. And we try to spread that that stuff around the world so people live better. And there are people who everyone else be damned. They're just going to do their own thing. Fuck those guys. So the rest of us, the majority of the population, I believe, 51%, I would say, work for the greater good. But also fuck that. They work. You can work for yourself and still make the greater good. You don't need to choose between the two. There's always uh, gray areas, I suppose, between. You can either do, there's the two extremes, do only what benefits yourself and only yourself, or do only what benefits others and only others at the sacrifice of yourself. Okay, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Or, you know, you have thousands of, if not an infinite number of options in between, choose one. Maybe in this point, you're, you're given an option at one point, an opportunity. And, you know, in there, you could take six different ways to, to capitalize on that opportunity that you can see. Well, which one do you want to choose at that moment in time? Maybe you're in a rough time in your life and you need to take the one that benefits yourself more than others. But at the same time, you never need to go to that extreme where you end up like killing someone else to benefit yourself. Like you don't need to do that basically ever. So the and then maybe in the future you have another option. You're like you're doing really well. You don't you're not worrying about subsistence at all. So it's like okay, I could do the greedier option, but I could also do the more selfless one and the one that helps make the greater good and bring other people out of subsistence to bring the person running the race last up a little bit uh, to, to where everyone else in the pack is running. So you have these choices on a personal level, and it's when you are <laughs> what are the sayings is always lonely at the top, right? If you do the things that isolate yourself from other people, you're going to have a great house. You're going to have a great, that's about it. And uh, who knows if the other things you have are going to be great. But if you do the the things that help other people while also uh, capitalizing on specific opportunities along the way that help yourself, you could have both. You could have a great family, great social life, uh, a good feeling about yourself and what you've done for the world. And then at the end of your life, you get to look back and say, I did something I'm proud of instead of just look at my bank account, motherfucker. So that said, we're going <laughs> to to the to the root of um, the question, which has to do with intellectual property. So the idea of COVID-19's vaccine being uh, capitalized by a company is very scary, um, at least to me. And I think to the writer here, because they're just going to make a, a buttload of money. Uh, that's ridiculous. And this thing is killing lives or killing people, ending lives. Yes, everyone dies, but the goal is to let everyone die naturally at the end of their life. Uh, and especially not the way this uh, disease kills people. Um, you, the goal is to let people die naturally at the end of their life, surrounded by their loved ones and sort of in their own in control of it. Uh, this disease is brutal at the end of life. Uh, so what if we got rid of IP? Uh, intellectual property served a purpose for a specific system at a specific time. That system is currently dying. Uh, it, and it, it, we have an alternative now. We have these distributed ledgers where we can assign credit to different people based on and, and secure that credit, that assignment with cryptography. Uh, so I could, we can think about, um, I can't think of any metaphors for this. So if we all crunch and find crunch Rosetta and find a cure for it, I, I, I crunched 10% of that cure. You know, I get 10% of the money made from that disease from, <laughs> from that cure. Uh, Joey crunches 15% of the cure. He gets 15% of the profit. There is no company that owns 
the result. Maybe there is a group of people within the Gridcoin network that take the results and take it into a translatable product. They get a certain percentage of the profits as well. They didn't even need to crunch. Uh, so that is, at that point, when you take that perspective, it treats all companies as networks. It essentially gets rid of, gets rid of companies as the end all. It makes companies subservient to network law. So you can put that into a contract. You can say any node or company that takes this foundational research from the crunchers, which are just average network participants, and turns it into a translatable product, gets 40% of profit. The rest of the profits are split among the crunchers. Um, and you put that into a smart contract. That smart contract executes when things are, when conditions are met. It's a very complicated contract, but the basic principle, I think, exists now with the technology we have. God bless Satoshi. So uh, that's basically how I respond to uh, what Joey is saying. Because if that is the system we build based on networks, where networks rule, network is law, networks based in code, and corporations can join networks, companies can be part of networks, but they don't get to say we're the answer to everything. Goblin, you would have loved my rant already. I'm sorry you missed it. But <laughs> that, I think, is my response to uh, what Joey has said. And Joey, I would love to know if uh, in either part A or B, like the reason to live and do good for other people, uh, if you liked that and what you thought about that rant, and then the idea of sh getting rid of intellectual property, that concept, uh, or at least distributing that among a network and sort of splattering that paintball across a wall, uh, it, what you think about that. And I'm going to go to the chat here after a sip of water. So Darren says, I'd at least want our names on the paper. Uh, wonder if they will uh, do that or not. Uh, so they're starting... <clears throat> Excuse me, they're starting to do this. This was actually a talking point at the workshop in Chicago um, last year. Uh, you know, crunchers, participants, because I agree with you. I would. That, why not put the credit in the paper? It takes zero effort to make a line in there that says, thank you to everyone who worked on the, this Boink project crunching these work units. Awesome. That's all I need. And actually, projects are starting to do it. I think GPU Grid is the first that I saw that came out. And I'm sure there were more before this. But it's first that I saw that came out with a paper that actually credited all the crunchers that work project, they said, thank you to all the crunchers. I don't remember if they put a link there. That's a really good idea. Uh, but they said, if you worked on this a work unit that started with these series of numbers and letters, right, uh, then you are credited in this paper. Thank you. And in the future, when we, we get out of the CPID world and we can sort of, you know, point kind of is perfect for blockchain. You put the identification onto a blockchain, you can credit what will be CPIDs of the future, right? You can credit the cryptographical, you can credit the key, the public key. And if and if you ever go for a, a, a job, Delta brings this up in um, the Boink Radio podcast all the time. You know, he once put on one of his resumes that he crunched X number of uh, credits on a Boink project. And, you know, it's a little silly, but also awesome. Like, so if you can do that and just share your public key and be like, here, you can see all the contributions I have made across all these different projects, um, and then you know go from there. That would be amazing. So continuing in the chat here, uh, Darren also says, I think he's referring to what I was saying about intellectual property and getting rid of it and putting the network above the corporation. And he says, that should be a future for a lot of things, not just science, would be a lot fairer. Yep, it's the decentralized future. Uh, it would be a lot harder for corruption and cheating as well. Yeah, uh, 
Agreed. You would have when you have a network of people. One of the principles of blockchain is that when you have a large group of people, it's not just blockchain; it's open source. But blockchain brings in monetary incentive. Uh, when you have a large group of people reviewing code, it's much harder to sneak in malicious code or malicious whatever. When you have, it's you also see this in the government. You know, when you want to stop corruption, you get an oversight committee. You know, and you get outside people who aren't involved in the thing that's going on to look at them. But it's a bureaucratic system from a legacy. Uh, system where you have to have human to human contact and it's really slow and, and just overly bureaucratic. So when you have a network on the internet doing all these magical things in the in the tubes, you can have thousands of people reviewing this stuff and you never need to see each other's face. You don't need to sign a form. You don't need to do anything. Maybe you need to uh, stake a token in a contract to be a reviewer. That's a great utility right there for, uh, for Gridcoin. Build a oversight peer review system etc cetera, etc cetera, where you have to stake to be a peer reviewer and then you get incentivized out of the protocol through the minting and etc um so uh so just to add on to that there's there's conversation there's there's comments in the chat uh from darren pointing out like um people have commented on on similar ways of like uh identifying people who've contributed such as voting right it's like and adding things like voting to the blockchain right um but yeah so like putting, but yeah. sorry, put yeah. Voting is going to be difficult. So the way that I'm seeing it play out right now, and the way I still like it is, um, oh man, uh, I think it's called quadratic voting. I haven't looked into it in a long time, but I researched it when it came out, and I love it. Uh, it's where you put. Because the problem with voting online is you can Sybil attack it, right? Jim, who just joined, talks about this all the time. You cannot have a one-to-one -one voting mechanism, a linear voting mechanism in an online thing. It's just impossible as our current technology exists. But what you can do is weight things. So it's the way Gridcoin's weighting structure works. And we can argue we won't today, but we can argue whether or not the weighting structure is developed right. But the weighting structure, the idea of a weighting structure is really, really cool. So you can say, I have $10,000 and there are 100 proposals out there. Where does the money go? Uh, people vote with their money. They stake their money behind the vote and uh, they're... they're they risk something by doing that. So it, that risk is a, a way to stop people from being idiots, essentially. Uh, idiots is a strong word for, for, because you can, you can still be stupid, but uh, <laughs> stop people from being malicious. Um, so if pro proposal A gets the majority of the stake behind it, it gets maybe 75%. And then proposal B gets uh, 50%. Proposal C gets 25%. Uh, we're already over 100%, but you get the idea. And it, it scales down, and then any leftover proposal doesn't get funded, even though it got votes, but it, it wasn't weighted right. Uh, so voting on the blockchain, a very, very cool thing. Very, very complex. People are working on it in much larger communities than ours. Um, but I, I agree, it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be in the way we uh, recognize voting right now in terms of like going to a poll and pulling a lever. Do you still pull levers? In uh, in elections, is that a thing? Um, I so uh, I've moved a few. I've moved a few times over the last couple of years. Um, when I lived in New York, I did mail in, so I can't really talk to that. When I lived in Massachusetts, it was lever based. Um, actually, no, excuse me, New York. I did do a New York one. New York had levers. Massachusetts, there was one with a lever. There was one with I filled out bubbles, and then I'm currently in Connecticut, and that that only has bubble one. So 
I, I literally, I literally, I stand behind a wall with a with. I stand on like I've taken like a standing little tiny like multiple choice test, and you fill it in with a little pencil. I'm picturing you doing the mail in and filling out your ballot, mailing it, and then running home and pulling a lever. So I just want you to yeah, know that. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, that's <laughs> effectively what happened. I even had a little little lever in my room for the whole. <laughs> Wonderful. So okay, um, what were we talking about again? <laughs> So intellectual property. Uh, we've talked about a lot today. Joey is still writing his response. I want him to take his time. So I'm going to have uh, another. Joey, you are typing a response, right? Or are you just occasionally falling on the keyboard and then deleting as, everything? As a, also, just as a side note to the, to the <laughs> just as a side note to like the blockchain, like holding results of anything, um, whether or not it be voting or whatever, just to make sure I'm not kind of pushing into the political side, but it's, it's it really in anything, um, there needs to be remember there needs to be a mechanism for anonymous uh, uh, an, 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 I can never I can never say it anonymity anonymity <laughs> you got it right so the uh, so uh, yeah just cut that so it looks like I'm smart yeah so anonymity <laughs> just, just start it <laughs> over start it, it over cut it so, so I, I look smart but yes anything that requires uh, uh, anything requires like results being saved or or anything re- uh, regarding voting right whether it be about a project or anything, there's some level once it hits public level of access that you have to say, I, I kind of want anonymity or I want the availability to, for anonymity. And I mean, especially if we ever deployed a, a, a blockchain kind of ever got deployed into a, a voting, especially in political. I mean, like um, I was always raised with the idea of like, just, you know, you like who you vote for, that's, that's a, that's a right. And you don't have to tell anyone and whatever. Right. And so um, it's one of those things. It's like, I don't really I, like. I'll, I'll talk about politics, but I don't really talk about vote for uh, very often. And and it's and so it's like having having the blockchain as a as a as a way to keep results, um, whether or not it's project or anything, is fine. But then you have to say, okay, but then it technically does that become public information? Does that become who's yes. able to see that information? And is that okay? Right? Because you're right. So, you can't. It, it's a good way to keep make sure you're like it's tracked. Yep. But it still needs to be encrypted. And if it's encrypted, then how are you possibly going to track it? So it it has to be viewable. Try, and if it's viewable, no, no, a lot of people might not be with it. You're combining two systems that don't work together. So with blockchain, you're voting with a token or a currency or a thing that is I did is verifiably unique and you that's the, that's the key it's the verifiable. right so you're not the person is not anonymous the anonymity is up to how well the person wants to obfuscate their token if you say this is my token and it is voting for this person you're not anonymous but if you don't say this is my token and it's voting for this person you're anonymous you can obfuscate yeah. as much as you want and you guys have heard, I, you know, you've heard, I, I think I joined right when Jay Ringo was making this comment, but you guys have seen me opine on this several times before. The, the, the most difficult problem to solve in this area is the tension between, um, is effectively being able to ensure independence of tokens, right? So, you know, there's there could be a control actor in the background that has several tokens that look independent, but they actually go back to the same person. Right. And so the fundamental issue with voting on the blockchain has to do with uniqueness of vote. Right. And making sure that, you know, someone doesn't have more voting power than they otherwise should have. And, you know, that and that and anonymity are in direct tension with each other. And then the other thing is, is how do you how do you confirm that a token that a set of tokens that are voted are unique without without um, uh, in sort of a trustless 
third party situation, right? If you if you think about traditional voting, right? Vote, traditional voting is an- anonymous, right? When you walk into the voting booth, no one's supposed to see how you voted, but someone knows how you voted, right? There's a central trusted authority that does two things. Number one, they check you coming in the door against a roll and they look at your some form of identification usually to make sure you you are who you say you are and you have the ability to vote. And then you go in there and you vote and there's a tally <laughs> recorded by a machine that then knows who who casts the vote right that's kept a secret from everybody else but there is some there's some some trusted system that know that can identify the the person that voted and uh, in this case you know we 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 hide behind a token but the issue is of course correlating the token with unique individuals that's the big challenge it really we're gonna push back on this because i don't think that's a problem so when we think about the Look at it from this perspective. The idea of giving people with a greater share in the network greater say is a positive thing, and it has always existed. So in even in the current system, so that's the way blockchain voting works, works right now. And Gridcoin, for the people who don't know, if you have more coins, your voice is louder when it comes to voting. If you have more magnitude, your voice is louder when it comes to voting. In that's the, right. Yes. In the U.S. system, people argue it's one person, one vote. It is 100% not. So when you – it's literally one person goes into a booth and casts a vote, but it's money-oriented 100%. Uh, Jim, can you mute for a second? And this is uh, recognized by uh, the power structures because what they say is we want to develop a system, this this money orientation, which means that the wealthy have more of a voice because the wealthy are a greater share of the network. They own more in the network. We want to, everything we do as a, a society, as a governmental, as a national network is to bring in more wealthy people, is to keep them here, is to keep corporations here, to keep manufacturers here, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there. And when you see people talking about how to make the voting system fair, what they're proposing is to give everyone an equal amount of dollars to publicly fund elections and give everyone $100, let's say, and then they can allocate those $100 to different candidates who then get a larger share of dollars out of a bigger purse. But the this was sort of weighted voting. But the that concept is an acknowledgement that the one person, one vote thing is kind of BS because people are manipulated by money, uh, by ads, essentially. And as you can go through the stats, it is very rare to have an unfunded or underfunded politician win. It is very, very common that the most well-funded politician wins. And that's why you see it across the news. Whoever has more money is going to win. Well, that's true to a point, right? Bloomberg threw a billion dollars in his campaign. And so it, This is a very complex situation. Yes, you're right. There is a correlation. I will agree with you on that. I, look, I've also pointed out that the only voting schemes that currently work and are not subject to civil attack are voting schemes that use a linear relationship between voting power and weight, meaning coins, right? And because when you do that, it doesn't matter how many pieces you chop your, your wallet into or your vote into, you get the same voting power. So if you took your balance and you chopped it into five different wallets, each one of those pieces would have one-fifth the voting power of the original piece. And so when you vote those five times, you have exactly the same degree of sway that you had before. And, you know, the, the problem with equal apportionment schemes, which is what, you know, everyone that talks about uh, fairness in voting gets mad about the distribution of, uh, of coins in a, in a uh, you know, either a proof of work or proof of stake system, right? It's exponentially decaying. There's lots of whales. There's lots of, you know, high balance holders. 
and then it drops down and there's lots of smaller balance holders. And, you know, the argument is, well, you know, those people don't have any say. And so people always want to go back to some form of equal representation. The problem, of course, is that's very difficult to do, right? Um, and by the way, handing people equal amounts of tokens doesn't work because someone could chop themselves up into five different fake individuals, each receiving the same amount of tokens, and then they have five times the voting power that they should. So again, it, it all goes back to being able to figure out who's who. It really comes down to the question of what what or who is voting, right? That's the so, question. Is it a token that's voting or is it a person's voting? I think it's always right. a token in every system and it's always been that way except for like Athens. So the, the it, it's not a matter of giving people money giving people vote power is a matter of creating a system by which everyone can access vote power by contributing to the network, by being part of it, which is what the U.S. is. Money is power. Money is political power. Well, theoretically, if you work hard and and advance and take the right opportunities and take the right risks and hedge your bets and all that shit, you can get a lot of money and get a lot of power. So theoretically, everyone has access to vote power and getting a greater share in this national network we have. Practically, it doesn't work that way. But mm-hmm. so, <laughs> in, well, you're sounding like the, a real capitalist today, Jay Ringo. <laughs> it's well, we that's the capitalist system. That's what they it do. Is. I'm not saying I like it. But when we build our system, if we build a system by which if I'm a little little guy, if I'm me, essentially, I'm a guy with a PC and I'm crunching, I need to be able to compete with you, Jim, essentially, who has giant rigs and has been doing this for a long time. And at the end of the day, if I contribute, maybe not as many computation cycles, but there should be maybe a sliding scale somewhere where at some point we have equal voting power because I, while not contributing huge amounts of computation rigs, uh, have contributed a lot. And you maybe have a higher voice, uh, a louder voice because you have more rigs. I don't know how that will work, but there should be a way for the small guy to get in, contribute, and have a voice at the end of the day. I, I agree, but the problem is cre- preventing civil attacks. So let me give you an example of, of the problems you run into with that. I love that notion, but let me, let me put it to you this way. You have a guy that you have uh, several individuals that have magnitudes of 10, right? And I have, I'm running a magnitude of like uh, typically right now because no one's using a lot of different machines because we're all stuck here at the house. I'm running like 400 right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, magnitude I've been, been in a long time. Actually, I think it's like 420. So, because <laughs> the are basically sitting there doing nothing but crunching. So, at least four of them are. So, here's the thing if, if I were to boost the weight, you know, boost the weight of the tens, right, so that they get a better share, I, I, as the 400 holder, could chop my rigs up into different CPIDs and create effectively 50 hosts out of the machines I have and then make have a separate set of CPIDs with lower magnitude and I would get higher voting weight and it would all trace back to And so that's the problem with the with these weight boosting schemes is it is that they can be fooled and that's that's what worries me i i agree with the concept i, I you know the question is how do you how do you solve the problem of people tricking the system and, yeah, and remember I, I, I think the important thing to remember especially people who haven't been part of this conversation for very long because we've touched on this a number of times over the last couple of years the point is not to perfectly fix the problem because that 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 will right. never really happen that's like saying perfect security on the system yep. the perfect way to secure yep. a computer is to turn the internet off right? absolutely but yep. but you're right the point is to make it to the point uh, to get it to the point where it's economically financially 
mentally, spiritually, whatever you want to call it, it not viable for the hacker or, or person with, with malintent to be able to do what they're trying to do. Right. Discourage, discourage or disincentivize bad behavior. That's exactly right. right. So, I mean, if, if we were like, hey, there's a decaying function on like how much magnitude really matters to you, but it trails off at like the 400 mark, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about like, it would it would take a lot. It, effectively, that would stop people from doing like a like a zombie botnet attack of of taking over people's Boeing systems on their computer that they might not realize, right? And redirecting all of their computers to to fund their own magnitude. So that might stop that kind of attack, right? It might it might gently impact someone like Jim and like five or six other people in the community, but realistically, that wouldn't really impact anyone else. So it, it, you have to think of it in terms like a curve of like you, where you go so far up, you're only impacting the people who would really ever try to attack. So Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's the principles on which blockchain are, are built. And the way to do it with voting is, I, I haven't thought through it all the way, but staking. Not like staking a block, but if I want to vote, I have to sign a contract, an electronic contract, and uh, put... GRC down. So it doesn't matter if I have 500 wallets or one, I'm still putting the same amount of GRC at risk with the voting, where if I Sybil attack that system, I end up losing that GRC because of uh, the way the voting structure works. I actually like that a lot. So even if your vote is only counted, uh, I got to think through that, that might work, uh, or at least it partially offsets it. I mean, the idea is, is to you know, one of our biggest problems in Gridcoin, of course, is that the is that the you're not really putting much at risk with votes, right, at all. But right. you know, they're non-binding. They're kind yeah, of I mean, there to gauge got, opinion, and, 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 and it's we've like had, we've had this conversation before, and in SciSci and I have talked about it. We've got to move to time lock contracts for votes. Um, it's not going to make it in for Fern, of course, but well, you know, define time lock contracts because right because so right lock, now for anyone for lock. anyone who doesn't know, just sorry, 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 Jim, but just this context for yeah. anyone who's no, because I've seen new people in the chat and I don't know you know who's listening is. Um, Really short is like when you vote in Gridcoin, and I I did this when I first joined. I voted, and then I was like, "What happens if I vote again?" And then I realized I was like, I just kept clicking vote, and I was like, "Huh, am I one from casting thirty or forty votes?" And because I was burning, I was burning GRC, you know, like like fractions of a GRC. And then eventually, Barton ended up explaining to me, he's like, "You're changing your vote every time you vote, so it, it kind of like resends your vote to confirm That's it." Right. So you can change your answer at any point that you want, which is why the answers and, and why the, the actual scale of like, oh, 95% of people voted for this. Technically, all of them could shift to the new one right the moment before the poll ends. Um, so it doesn't lock you in. So I like that it's not locked in because you could throw it in early. And then if something really changes, I mean, you know. It, it's it's important to be able to change up, but so that's just you, my opinion. You can design, but you can design a time lock contract that basically puts the real money at risk during the entire poll, and you can re you can change your vote. The key is you can't undo the vote, and then you can't hand those funds to somebody else to vote another chair. Oh, okay, okay. There yeah. is there are ways right. to do it. There's, that's uh, that's uh, the another, key. Another, right. Another aspect to it is you lose the grid. So. I don't know if this is actually a good idea or not. It's what I've seen some people talk about. Um, if you vote for something and your option loses, you lose the grid coin you voted for. If you win, then you get a reward. It might not be grid coin. It might be an NFT. It might be another token on the blockchain. I think that's another aspect that should be part of this discussion is- I think that's an awful be, idea. There should be more than one uh, token on a blockchain that do different things. Uh, but the And some of them you can't trade. Uh, but if, if you make it, 
uh, so people are really putting actual money at risk. Uh, they'll only make a decision when it's a good decision. And then that that um, threshold that you have to cross, that AVW, becomes valuable, becomes a big thing. Oh, this decision is so important that people put up $100 million at risk. They risked that money to make a decision on this point. And if it's not a good vote, if it's not a good poll, or if it's a, a bad idea that no one really agrees with one way or the other, they're not going to do a, 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 a they're not going to vote for it. Like some of the recent polls, people should just not vote for these polls. They won't cross the threshold, and then it doesn't matter. Like, and that makes people do it that act that way. I think that encourages people to not vote. You're right, that's good. It encourages people to vote only on important things and it, to really think, think about yeah, what no. they're voting for. You don't want so people I, just to I'm, vote because there's a poll. That's so silly. When anyone can create a poll. At any point in time, you're going to imagine a network of 100,000 people. Imagine a network of 330 million people. And anyone can make a poll at any time. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. But you have to be, have a filter for that. So what you do is you say, as people vote for it, it goes up on the list. And the more important polls will get pushed to the top of the list because people will be voting on it with real money. And then everyone will see it. And eventually, it'll cross a, cross a threshold. And once it's validated, everyone goes to vote on it. Because so how much... How much are you talking about putting at risk? You're talking like four, like one or two GRC. Are you talking the whole wallet? Like what what's at That's risk specifics. here? Specifics. I I have been. Yeah, because I mean, like I mean, so you can't put a hard value, right? Because then you have someone who just started five percent of your wealth. Depending okay, so five percent. It would no no no. See, this whale. is why I don't do like specifics because <laughs> it would be a complicated sliding scale of weight. It would be a dynamic system. But the yeah, principle, but, but, uh, the principle yeah. is that you have to risk something, so it keeps people from voting on bad polls. And it encourage more importantly, it encourages people to really think about what they're voting on. I think that's awful only because it, so I think that's awful only because it effectively says someone's like okay I want to vote on this but like 85% of people said yes I really think the answer is no so if you see the one that you you don't agree with starting to win you're never going to touch that poll so the opposition whoever gets out early will immediately discourage any further voters from coming in to to uh, on the uh, on the opposing argument yeah I think that's a good point I think there are solutions to it but I would have to write them down. Yeah, no, and, and, and mind you, I'm not saying that this is an awful idea um, it, it outright. Like, I, I'm sure it has some merits. I'm sure there's ways of, of structuring this where it's, it's much more palp- palpable. But uh, but yeah, I would have to see what the whole thing is. I don't I don't want you to vaguely recall an option and, and for me to shoot it down from just that vague recollection. But uh, I would be I would be I would be afraid as to the incentives that are are put into play as a result of reprimanding people for doing that. I mean, I, I would be, I think it'd be interesting to do, and, and again, interesting, right? To do something like a, if someone didn't vote on a poll, uh, you lose like one GRC, right? Or like, again, as an example, right? And and the the idea being, if you're not, if you're not, um, if you're not on, if you're not voting, if you're not active, then shouldn't your wallet have some small decay or something, right? So I think that's but, an interesting concept to go down. The point I was trying to solve with that is the Sybil attack. Yep. So if someone Sybil attacks uh, stupid answers, then they're going to lose all their GRC and they can't Sybil attack anymore. Uh, so that is why making people put real risk down for a vote uh, is a thing that it, it's a mechanism to, that punishes people for 
maliciously attacking the system. I agree. It's this. It's the corresponding thing to staking. That's the whole original purpose of staking. Yeah. That's what staking means, right? If you stake a coin, if you stake coins, and then you do something, and your wallet does something bad to the network, the original concept around staking is that you could lose your stake, right? That's the idea. And voting, I like the idea for voting too. If you, you know, you're you're putting up coins, they're at risk. You do something screwy, you're going to lose them. I, I like the yeah, idea of maybe, blocking maybe the it's, coins. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's not like you lose your coins if your option doesn't win. But there are, I, I, I got to find, I got to reread these. There are systems out there, I think, that are playing with that idea. It's not like you lose all your coins if there's some math behind it. Not entirely sure. I, I, I like the idea of, of effectively voting and your 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 coins are effectively locked, whether or not in your account or not. Um, so that it's like during the poll, if at any time it's determined that your your account is uh, like doing something malicious, it's 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 locked for much longer for review, right? Because an automated system to, for deletion or, or or permanent locking is obviously not perfect. And yeah. Anyway, what what was our original topic? Blockchain for for something. <laughs> I feel like we drifted off. <laughs> We did. It was a good discussion. Our original topic uh, was stemming from what Joey Buddy wrote originally and having to do with uh, intellectual property and why people should contribute in this, what he's still responding to, why people should contribute, even though it seems like there are a lot of people who are incredibly unempathetic and just rich assholes who are going to capitalize on COVID-19 and how Gridcoin can prevent that system from occurring in the future or that that. that outcome occurring in the future by sharing intellectual property among a network instead of from a corporation where that corporation where it's that corporation's purpose is to take results and translate them into a product and for that work they get some profit but the rest of the profit goes to everyone else that has contributed to that research so if the foundational research was done in 1980 on fish and we do something with genetics right now the people who did the original genetics work on fish in the 80s get profit from it through that contract because it's recognizing that everything in science is only possible because someone 50, 100, 200, 1,000 years ago did something amazing. So get rid of the concept of the corporation is God and they 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 solved this problem. Damn it. There was no one else that helped. So get rid of that concept and share credit get rid of intellectual property share credit across the network so he has given a huge ass response to what i ranted about in the beginning of this episode so let's all take a minute and read this <laughs> okay so let's work from the uh second paragraph back because we'll end on what um my response is to that first section because that's a nice general statement there uh, but as for the patents thing, I'm just going to read what he said once again. So buckle up, buddies. Here we go. As for patents, the U.S. and international patent systems are both whack. They're outdated. They don't serve the purpose well. What areas are under government control are managed badly, either over-regulated or under-regulated, over-bureaucratic, not streamlined, populated by patent trolls, have way too much involvement from patent attorneys. It slows down progress. It's just a mess. It's different from copyright law and has its own share of problems. Amen. Boink distributes ownership of uh, patent kind of like stocks. At that one particular sorry, at that one particular level, everything is peachy. Once it gets out of that level, it goes right back into the patent grindhouse. Medical journals still have to get their beaks wet. It's got to go through all the studies and the FDA approval. That's assuming a patent troll doesn't already own a medicine that a project discovers can treat a disease and make a tweak to the medicine. Suddenly, the troll is the king of the hill again after all that effort. We've seen it happen again and again with major discoveries throughout history. Steamboat, light bulb, power flight, telephone, 
Someone who is more in the spotlight snipes an invention by making a minor change to it and becomes the father of this invention. So I agree with most of that. Um, so what Gridcoin and blockchain can do, but what I think Gridcoin is focusing what on, what my focus within Gridcoin is on at least, is getting rid of all this nonsense. I'm waving my hands when I say that, by the way, because we can do away with all of this, with the technology now afforded to us, with the tools we now have. So there no longer needs to be a father of an invention because we can now recognize that there is no such thing as a father of an invention. Every invention is a series of incremental changes over time. Occasionally, you get the one big leap, and that's very occasionally, right? Um, and then you you talk about the the, the uh, medical journals that have to get your their beak wet. They don't. We don't need medical journals anymore. We can have a network of people verify peer review journals themselves. And the medical journals can turn into curation streams where they, we've talked about this before, Goblin Popper can his, have his own medical journal that only publishes things about uh, goblin toe fungus. And uh, Chocolate can have his that only uh, publishes things about the difference between chocolates and cherries. <laughs> and like you can have curation streams and people can buy into those curation streams, but really good science can be approved by good scientists. And the challenge there is, we've also discussed this before, is what makes a good scientist? How do you decentralize the expertise system? Because with behind everything you're saying right here is the fact that we have a few institutions uh, or a few entities or boards of people around the world who tell other people, they are now an expert in a field. Uh, they're called colleges and universities, and we can decentralize that system as well, where your peers de deem you an expert in something. Uh, it's a very complex way to do that. It's I think it's pretty doable, though. Uh, the root issue is those is bootstrapping the system as Jib would say how do you who is the first expert who then gets to deem the next expert who then gets to deem the next expert and bootstrapping is several ways to do it so we can get rid of medical journals the fda approval we could probably get rid of that i've never thought about that though um but all all that blockchain does is it takes these things medical journals fda universities fathers of inventions it takes these centralized things and says these things used to be even more centralized, by the way. It used to be a king, you know? And then we went from a king to a board or to an FDA or to a medical journal. And now we want to do that again. We want to go from an FDA or medical journal to a network where it's just instead of where it went from one king to maybe 10 people on a board, we want to take that 10 and multiply it again and go to 100 people, maybe to 1,000 people. 10,000 people making these decisions because we can do it now. The only limitation before was communication. We couldn't communicate quickly enough between all these people and make decisions. We couldn't come to consensus. Now we have means by which we can come to consensus in large groups of people. So we can get rid of all this nonsense and give them back their original purpose. The medical journals can go back to curating good science and they don't need to be about money and we can have open access. Every article that is published can get paid and we won't at the same time, we won't be forcing or incentivizing or encouraging people to just publish, publish, publish. You'll do science, and when you have science to report, you'll publish. Uh, you can do this. So then back to your paragraph before, you're talking about patents. You can do the same thing with patents. We don't need – you can change that system. Make it so patent controls are at least more difficult to exist, right? <laughs> 
Like, we have the means to decentralize these centralized entities and make it a better system. So don't get discouraged by the fact that the legacy system that has been around for a long time and served its purpose very well, advanced civilization and made the greater good for the most part. A vast majority of the world came out of poverty in the past couple hundred years through this old system. But it's dying. It's done. We have an alternative. We can implement it. And that's what we're trying to do. We're starting with the financial system with Bitcoin. That system has been dying since the 70s. We now have the replacement for it. People have been trying to make the replacement since it started dying in the 70s. We finally came to it in 2008. Really cool way to come to financial consensus. Who has what? So I do just want to add that um, I know a lot of people are like, you know, it's it's we advanced a lot in the last like 150 years and such. In the last like 20 years, like when you think about that, like year 2000, in the last 20 years, there's been a significant drop in in just like deaths from basic things like dehydration and and ba- it's very simple diseases right um and like infant death in, in in third world countries so like i i know it's probably slowing down but i'd argue that it's still progressing even quickly in modern day history in in some of those advances uh it just it looks like it's slowing down primarily because there was so much it could impact 50 years ago as opposed to today but I mean, it's 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 like when you look at the statistics, it's it's pretty insane. When you're like, you know, like it just going back 20 years, what, what how bad like just infant mortality was in places like third world countries for for silly silly reasons that got so that got heavily heavily increased in a lot like by like 2006 2010. So just throwing that out there. Absolutely, a lot of it. Um, it's very difficult to quantify though. Because when you use a metric like that, or like GDP, how much culture have we destroyed? How much art have we destroyed for the sake of spreading our our own culture? But at the same time, yes, the education of uh, contraceptives is a great example. Um, uh, infant mortality that you brought up is another great example. Uh, the, spreading that has done good across the world. Um, so yeah, and it's spreading up, speeding up, but it's also like, it's kind of slowing down pretty rapidly right now you're um a lot of these emerging countries uh are it's still not uh it's hard to say if it's actually happening right now but it appears as though a lot of these emerging countries are about to collapse if you're looking at the currencies at least uh so that's going to be very scary and a very big step back and all of this is because the capitalist system is beginning to fail uh so centralization occurred too much and uh, centralization of wealth, you know, the Gini factor, all that nonsense is really, really bad right now. So it remains to be seen exactly what happens, but I'm of the opinion that things are about to go a bit backwards a little bit. You know, things go forward, things go back. But as things come back, we have the opportunity to implement a new system. And that is what we're trying to build. And we have a lot of very smart people working on this stuff. Um, And I'm saying we, as in the global we, a lot of technological people uh, uh, developers and, and talkers and theorists are working on this and trying to change the world for the better, regardless of all these few rich people that you talk about who are, there's only a few of them. They're just incredibly, incredibly rich. Um, so despite them, uh, everyone else is still going. And the fact that we are starting in the financial system is kind of a big deal because we're all incentivized to continue building this new thing because there's money involved. It's a very interesting concept, this blockchain cryptocurrency combination. Uh, very interesting. So 
are there any other thoughts on sort of the FDA approval, the medical journals, sort of that second paragraph that uh, Joey wrote? All right. The mech to the first. Uh, basically, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Joey describes three different types of people. There's the incredibly narcissist, uh, the people, he says, the people in the 1%, but also the people in the upper middle class who want, or in the middle class who want to be upper middle class. The people who have, um, in my own opinion, been brainwashed to the point where it's like, no, I have to make money, make money, make money, increase my standard of living, etc. Oh, no. And then at the end, they, it turns out I only needed seventy to $80,000 to be happy. I just wanted to be loved. That sort of person, right? So there's that person, and then there's the people in the gray area who are the gray. And then there's the have-nots, the peoples who are stepped on, and they, quote-unquote, don't matter. So I might agree with you. I might not with regards to the people. But don't blame people, in my opinion. The people, I say, I use the term brainwashed because they're not brainwashed by other people. They're brainwashed by a system. Blame the system. When you blame other people, you don't know what to do to change it. You try to change people. That's weird. That's difficult to do. People never change. The people you marry, the people you know all your life, they're not going to change. There might be subtle like shifts, but they're not going to change. But you can change a system. And people are defined by the things around them, mostly. Uh, so change the things around them. Build a world where people help each other. Build a world where incentives encourage people to help each other. Build a world where you can contribute to science and also make money. So if you want to make money, if that's your thing, great. You're going to be forced to contribute to science, which at the end of the day, as we said at the beginning, science is one of the base tools that humanity uses Humanity uses to improve, to make the greater good. So if we can build a system where we, we acknowledge that there is greed in the world, there are greedy people. It's part of the human condition. Everyone is greedy to a certain extent. Some people more, some people less. Some people can control it. Some people can't. And some people, greed controls them. Uh, but we acknowledge it exists, just like hate, love, uh, empathy. All of these parts of humanity exist. Acknowledge it. Use it. All right, you're greedy. Well, you can make money by contributing to science. Here you go. And again, the main point of that is you can make money by contributing to science, and science contributes to making the greater good. So you are making money by making everyone else's life better. That's uh, That sounds pretty good to me. Like, you're not going to make it so greed does not exist. There's no way to do that. <laughs> Joey brings up boomers, and we're not going to go there. Uh, there's, there's a lot to say about that. Greed, greed is one of the cardinal sins, right? There's a reason for that. Regardless of whether or not you believe in God or all this stuff, it's in all of the ancient texts. Greed is something that when called greed is bad, but when you, there are probably other words for it, where you use greed to get something that is good for everyone else, that's good. So it's just part of humanity uh, and you can use it. It's a tool. So a lot of this is don't be too beat down by this by what's going on right now, by the fact that someone is going to patent this this vaccine, this cure, this treatment, and uh, they're going to make money off of it. It's disgusting. I agree with you. It's A lot of the world that we live in right now is disgusting, and it's collapsing for a reason. So just find solace in that we can, as Darren says, all do our bit to make the world better, build a different world, one where we help each other, one where uh, maybe we build a system where you don't have the opportunity, you don't give a corporation the opportunity to capitalize on a pandemic. Like we, that's the system's fault. We have a system that says, hey, <laughs> hey, company, capitalize on a pandemic. Go do it. Like they're, they're incentivized to do that. 
So it's not their fault. It's not Bill Gates's fault for being involved in viruses since Windows 95. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I crack myself. Uh, that's not mine. That's not an original. No, it's not. I, I would have been very <laughs> upset if you took that. <laughs> it's just really fun. Oh, but the, the, these people are incentivized to act the way I'm saying these people as though I'm not one of them. Everyone is incentivized to act specific ways. I'm incentivized to be here doing this fireside chat for my own benefit. There's no denying that. But at the same time, my this cryptocurrency nonsense is incentivizing me to do something for my own benefit that also helps other people. How how neat is that? And me with my um my upgrading and my uh, uh Moral background, I suppose, says that that is something I can support. There are opportunities out there where I could say, screw everyone else. I'm just going to be greedy and I'm going to steal $100 from your wallet. Well, that, I don't think I want to do that. You know, I have this opportunity instead. I can do this, help other people and benefit myself at the same time. So that is one of the base principles of blockchain. You can, you're allowed to be greedy in a selfless way. It's acceptable. Yes. Yeah, so he says, so find a way to balance. Balance both. Balance is very important, and blockchain does that. When, again, it's the, if not the one of the base principles of blockchain is you are allowed to be greedy in a selfless way. When you mine a block, you're being greedy, but you're also securing a public ledger of financial goods of wealth that is selfless, right? But you're being greedy at the same time. You're making money. You're trying to make money, but you're doing this greater good thing. You know. Like, am I making sense or is this just nonsense? <laughs> when you crunch, if Gridcoin was worth a lot of money, again, if you're crunching for the money, sure, crunch for the money. But you're also doing science. You're doing a selfless act. There are tokens. Oh, man, Belfast is a name on the top of my head that I don't think is correct. But there are there are cryptocurrencies around the world that incentivize people to spend money locally and when you spend money locally with this local cryptocurrency you get a benefit you get like a discount that's greedy but you're also supporting local business that's selfless so it's it's there's there are ways to do the balances you so you're bringing in the practical reality right here so joey says i mean i could be crunching whatever coin is most profitable 100 percent. so that has to do with a young market environment and what coin is going to be profitable in the future what has a good idea what has a good team developing it what has a a good future versus what does not. So that's the result of a young marketplace. You know, personally, I like to think we have a pretty solid thing going for us. Uh, so I won't worry about that too much. Darren, exactly. In a way, it's a win-win, no matter which side you lay on. Is it lay or lie? That's the real question of the night. I think lay is the act of laying. Yes. And lie is when you're already lied down. Lay down. No. When we lay by the fireside. No. When you lay, you're already lied down. Is this is this now grammar? grammar hour (laughs) you transition to the next one we have been here for over an hour though so (laughs) it gets confusing if you try and work it out i wouldn't i won't joey we'll talk about your last comment there after the recording um just because we are at an hour and i would like to wrap up so are there any uh otherwise i'm going to be editing for like in the wee hours of the morning are there any uh other thoughts on what we've talked about today ranging from today was a very very um I wouldn't say scattered. It was all connected, but far-reaching discussion from why even give a fuck, essentially, when there's all these people in the world who suck, uh, to intellectual property in the scientific system and beyond 
and how blockchain might be able to decentralize those systems from um, the FDA to the medical journals to uh, giving credit to people or having to do with voting and how we might want to implement that in the future. Any other thoughts on any of those three topics? Competition is really, really, really neat, like what it does. And build competing systems, make one better than the other. You can see it in Bitcoin and the US dollar right now in fiat. And we'll close on this thought. Uh, fiat is currently inflating across the board. Terrence Lee said it before we started recording. There seems to be this game going on between nations. Who can print more money for the stimulus package? They have other tools at their disposal. They can redefine incentive structures. They could have done UBI years ago when it made sense to start building up a purse and do all this stuff because you could recognize that things fall apart. The center cannot hold. So, but they didn't. So now what they're doing <laughs> is they're all inflating, inflating their currency, and you're seeing emergence, emerging currencies collapse. Uh, the Polish, oh, I don't remember, the, the South Korean won, the, the, um, I think the Hong Kong dollar is going down, uh, uh, Czech, a lot of the Eastern European countries, they all lost percentages over the past couple of weeks. And the US dollar is going to be one too. We're, we just printed, I think we're up to $8 trillion in stimulus at this point. I think we're talking about another two and a half of like zero interest loans, which is essentially just printing money. That's one system. There's a couple guys in a room, a couple people in a room making a decision. Let's print more money, print more money, keep going, quantitative easing into oblivion. And then there's now there's an alternative system called cryptocurrency where there are thousands of different competing currencies within this cryptocurrency system. Some of them are depreciating assets. Some of them are inflationary assets. You you get to choose. There is a democratized currency now where you can choose Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum is deflationary. Bitcoin is deflationary. You get to choose. Uh, Ethereum has smart contracts. Bitcoin might have smart contracts. So part of it's based on development speed. Uh, you But the point is the the economic protocol is set in code. That code is reviewed by thousands and thousands of people. And a decision is made by a network, not by like a couple people in a room, just being like print more money. If people wanted to make Bitcoin 22 million instead of 21 million, uh, it probably wouldn't happen. Like it's a very difficult thing to do. So those are two competing systems. One, a lot of people think is better than the other. A lot of people in this space in particular. That's a little bias. <laughs> uh, everyone here thinks that the Bitcoin system is probably better than the uh, fiat system. But the point is there's two competing systems fighting against each other. You get to choose which one you contribute to. One of the sayings I see a lot is opt out of fiat, opt into crypto, because you get to choose now. So along with this fiat or along with this crypto system is the technology i guess behind this crypto system is this technology that has the opportunity to change so much in this world to make it better to take what joey buddy so uh, aptly identified as a problem and solve it so if you are listening to this and you're still listening after all these rants Thank you for joining. We'll see you next week at uh, 8 p.m. EST on the GridCoin Discord server. Um, yeah, have a good weekend, everyone. Wash your hands. Does anyone want to say goodbye? Bye. <laughs> <laughs>